0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. Remember, with promo code LOCKED ON, you get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. Brian Peacock here at BD Peacock on Twitter, alongside, as always, the scout, Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. We are talking first-year impact for the quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end classes on the offensive side of the football. And to help us add to that discussion, our guest today is Paul Pertichese. He is the host of Saturday to Sunday football podcast. You can go to SaturdayToSunday.com and find all of that stuff. You can find him on Twitter at paulie 23 Y. Thank you for joining the show. It's a it's a busy season, even though we're in quarantine here, because as we know, in the dynasty football world, and you are heavily involved in that and with rookies in the NFL draft, it never sleeps, man. Like I'm sure you've done like a million drafts already, whether they're mock or the real thing.
1: Absolutely. Brian, Matt, pleasure to be back here at the NFL Lockdown Podcast. And you're right. I mean, this has been a welcome distraction as we've been you know, shelter in place and at home and the NFL draft, dynasty rookie drafts, and just talking about these prospects in terms of landing spots, scheme fits, immediate impact. It's been a welcome distraction and fun to talk to people uh, like Matt Williamson and many other guests we've had on recently at Saturday to Sunday. So I'm looking forward to talking to you, Brian, and more with Matt as well. Just so people
2: know, I was a guest on your podcast, Saturday to Sunday podcast, which I subscribe to and love. And so we're kind of doing a home and home series here and you're a little back to back action. So that was a blast. Everyone
1: should check that out.
0: Absolutely. And by the way, it's, it's Saturday to Sunday football dot com. That's
1: the yes, correct and you could also get there by just doing S to S football So either one, you okay. to write out the word Saturday, the number two Sunday football or just type in S the number two S football.com. Either one.
0: All right. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on the first year impact of some offensive skill guys. And we'll talk running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends on today's episode. But let's start with the running backs. And uh, I'm looking around at dynasty drafts and fantasy drafts. And it seems like it's pretty well consensus that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is running back one for everybody. But he wasn't necessarily running back one. A lot of people liked him, but he wasn't, you know, the consensus top running back in this draft, most of the lead up to the draft. So my question for you is, is that all about first year impact? Is it the landing spot? Is it having the, the first round tag? Is it being in Kansas city and and how much do you weigh landing spot when versus talent when you're looking at these rookies?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think at the running back position, I do weigh a lot the landing spot and immediate opportunity because running back lifespans, as we've seen this off season, just how quickly people rise and fall I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It's a combination of the fact that it's the perfect landing spot, it's the scheme fit, it's his versatility. So I think that's why he is being pushed to the top of any dynasty rookie drafts. I think he's the guy who could potentially have the most year one impact. I do think, though, that Damian Williams is going to be heavily involved as well. So I think, you know, if we're talking fantasy for a second, I think impact in year one is going to be there, but maybe not as much as some people think it's going to be in year one. But I do think on the football field, he's going to bring a lot of value and versatility. Another guy who can catch, I wouldn't be surprised if he catches 50 to 55 passes in year one. So I do think he's going to add a new dynamic, a more versatile playmaking, pass-catching running back to that roster to compliment Damian Williams in year one.
2: We had a really good conversation on your podcast and actually, you know, it's easy to put ranks together and I, my spreadsheet here, but the more the three of us chatted on your podcast the other day, the more I think JK Dobbins is just going to really light it up with Baltimore. It might not be till, you know, Halloween or Thanksgiving or 2021, maybe, I don't know, but I just think there's a lot of rushing yards in his future with the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Dobbins is one of those guys that he could have a little bit of a crescendo, kind of like Miles Sanders last year and be more of an impact as the year goes on. I do think his biggest impact, you know, he's going to have moments here or there that I think he impacts a game for the Ravens. But if you tie it into fantasy, I think more consistently, it's either going to be late in the season this year or in 2021 when Mark Ingram is most likely no longer a member of that team. So if we're talking about year one instant impacts, I don't think Dobbins is is at the level of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But as we talked about it on the Saturday-Sunday podcast with you, long-term, if you fast-forward two, three years, and and someone wants to say J.K. Dobbins could be the most impactful and have the highest value in, in a couple of years from now, I wouldn't argue that much. And I think that it's very close if we start really projecting a few years down the line.
0: I want to talk about Cam Akers for a second because I, I love and hate the landing spot for Akers because I think of all the rookie running backs, he might have... The least amount on the depth chart holding him back from being the number one back as a rookie. But he also went to a team that should have probably been drafting offensive linemen instead of running backs in round two. But at the same time, he's used to having a garbage line in front of him. He had one of the worst offensive lines uh, of all these running backs at Florida State last year. So he knows how to maneuver it. And the Rams offensive line is still going to be better than what he had in college. So I don't really know what to think about Cam Akers. And I'm slowly coming around on the landing spot for him
1: in Sean McVay's offense in Los Angeles. Yeah. I like the landing spot. I just didn't love the the value of the pick considering the Rams more than anyone know about how valuable offensive line play is. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago. People thought Todd Gurley was a bust. Then they upgraded the offensive line. They brought in a new scheme and he was a superstar for a period of years until you know injuries now have you know sidetracked him. So I love Cam Akers, the player. I truly do. I do question about his immediate impact and the, you know, in terms of wins and losses this year, I think he's going to be a guy that's very inconsistent in terms of his production based on exactly what you just said there, Brian, about the offensive line play. So I am I question whether or not he really impacts wins and losses too much for them this year. I think down the line, once they upgrade and fix that offensive line, I do like the fit of Cam Akers in that offense, you know, we saw Todd Gurley at his best in that Sean McAvey offense. If he can get back to what that offense looked like, you know, two years ago, there's a lot of space in that offense. that I think Cam Akers could really, you know, be very functional to good to even great. And he's also that guy that can catch passes out of the backfield. And we saw the impact Todd Gurley had there as well. I just think it's going to be not immediate there. He wouldn't be him and all this tie in DeAndre Swift. I don't think they're going to be instant impact guys this year based on either their supporting cast and front of them or based on what else is in the depth chart you know at the running back position as well
2: yeah I really want to focus on what they're going to do as rookies in this podcast and I think you know Akers has a really good chance to be involved early and often and what could be a good offense who knows but I think Keyshawn Vaughn's the one you almost have to focus on and say of the mid-round picks he falls into a great situation
1: yeah. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn probably, you know, again, I, I'm i not as high on Keyshawn Vaughn as some people. Yeah. And I think some people, even in the fantasy community, whether it's redraft or dynasty, you know, I think they're overvaluing him a little bit. I don't think he's the long-term answer. I could see them investing in a running back early in the draft next year or in free agency to really give it one final push with Tom Brady. But I do think, you know, we're talking about guys, you know, if we're talking about third round, fourth round guys, I do think Keyshawn Vaughn could have an immediate impact. I think he, could have, you know, a very successful year one statistically in that offense, you know, and, and lead them in rushing and lead them in, you know, receiving yards out of the backfield. So I do think his immediate impact in year one will be felt. I almost like him more in redraft leagues if we tie it in the fantasy for a second, than I would even like him long term in dynasty oh, league. Me too. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not a believer long term in the talent. So I would I I feel like I'd be a little skeptical on that, but in year one. I do think he can be a pretty good value in redraft leagues and could potentially lead that backfield in touches, total yards, and touchdowns.
2: Another sneaky guy that I think could get a lot more run than maybe people were realizing, and I don't love the player, but DJ Dallas in Seattle,
1: there's a lot of injured guys in that backfield. Yeah, I mean, DJ Dallas, I think his value in, in the short term in terms of immediately impacting I think 100% rest on you know what's the health status of Chris Carson. What's the health status of Rashad Penny? Are both of them going to be available? You know, in if there is a training camp, or you know, in the start of the year, are they both going to be there? Is one of them? Is neither of them? I think that directly ties into the impact that DJ Dallas could have early in year one here, or even, you know, as the year goes on, what is, what, and Chris Carson's a guy that has had some injury issues in the past and Penny's coming back from a pretty serious injury. So I do think there's an opportunity there for DJ Dallas, but it's so hard right now to know because of everything that's going on in our country, you know, there is no rookie mini camps there, you know, there isn't going to be regular mini camps. We'll see about training camps, you know, as we roll close to August so we really don't have and, and Pete Carroll notoriously has not been the guy who's been most open and, and upfront about injuries in terms of you know how long someone might be injured and out for so I like DJ Dallas I think it's intriguing but it's so it's such tied into the health of the other guys ahead of him on the depth chart I would probably lean towards him not having an immediate impact this year but I think that could alter and be adjusted based on you know what happens with the health of those two other guys.
0: As much as I like the fit for guys like Clyde Edward Hilaire in Kansas City, I just don't think it's going to help the Chiefs get back to a Super Bowl. I'm I'm definitely not the type of guy who thinks it's smart to draft running backs high and and in the top 50 and in the first round, even if they're really good. Uh, But the one that really has me scratching my head, maybe you can help me out with what the Packers were thinking drafting the 250 pound A.J. Dillon in round two out of Boston College.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I like the player a little bit. He was my sixth rated running back before the draft. I thought he should go off the board late round three or early round four, but to go to the end of round two and to the Packers where they have Aaron Jones, they have Jamal Williams, you know, they, they just seem to be trying to make in a shift fil- philosophically that they want to be more like the 49ers or they want to be more like the Titans, you know, the, the 49ers, you know, really, you know, uh, beat them badly in the championship game this year. And then, LaFleur coming from Tennessee, Sorwood, Derrick Henry. And it almost feels like he wants his own version of that. And I think it led them to reaching a little bit. Listen, there's going to be times that AJ Dillon in the snow and Lambeau field is going to be fun to watch in, you know, November and December or January. But I just, I think that utilizing of that asset in this in the second round was just poor mismanagement by them when they could have upgraded and got him a wide receiver and that's following the Jordan Love pick in round one. So I, I don't really see him making a big impact this year. If he is, it probably means that Aaron Jones is injured or, or or not being very productive. And then I think that's a loss in terms of net, you know, you know, net win for them. I don't think that's a net win if Aaron Jones is not really being good or injured and, and AJ Dillon is actually having more of an impact in year one. Paul, the
2: last guy I wanted to ask you about is just a quick question. Would you be shocked if Zach Moss is the Bills' leading rusher when it's all said and done this year?
1: I would be a little shocked. Like, I I didn't love Devin Singletary last year. I had some questions about him. He actually outperformed and did much better than I thought. If you tied it into fantasy, I was, you know, I was suspect long-term because John uh John Town- Josh Allen steals a lot of the, you know, the goal line touchdowns. And I always thought they were going to bring in somebody else. So now they bring in another guy who it, him or Josh Allen are probably going to be the guy that gets the touchdowns. I do think yardage wise, it it could be pretty close. I think Devin will probably, because he was there as the incumbent, he probably gets an opportunity to carry a little bit heavier workload. But in terms of overall production, it might be about the same when you start tying into things like touchdowns and stuff like that. But I could see it being a coin flip. If if Zach Moss gets there and is more productive, I don't think the talent gap is very large between them at all. So I think you're right. I, I don't think it would be stunning. I do think because he's the incumbent, Devin Singletary would be the guy I'd probably pick. And I think he's going to get every opportunity to get a little bit more of the workload. But in terms of fantasy production, I think it it could be 50-50 right down the middle or even skew towards Zach Moss if he gets more touchdown opportunities than Singletary. Because I do think their talent gap is very marginal.
0: The running back position for rookies is always fascinating because a lot of these guys are one or two plays away from being a starting running back in the NFL with what goes on at that position and the attrition and the injuries for running backs in the NFL. And usually running backs are are pretty ready to play early in their NFL careers compared to some other rookies. Let's check in on some of those other rookies, wide receivers next, and then we'll get to quarterbacks and tight ends after that.
2: Folks, I want to tell you about the Built Bar. You maybe haven't heard of them yet, but trust me, you're going to hear about them a lot because they're a new sponsor on the Locked On Network. They sent me a box the other day and the box is gone. My family just crushed it. So they're going to be a popular thing in the Williamson household. I think you need to check them out too. They're, they're tasty. I mean, my kids honestly don't care about the, the wonderful, uh, uh, attributes that's making their bodies. They just want to eat good stuff. And it's a protein bar that really does taste like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight of them are chocolate and nut flavors. And the other eight are chocolate and nut-free flavors. We know a lot of people have allergies and whatnot. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. And trust me, around here, my family, especially my wife, is they're chocolate connoisseurs, and they certainly approve. It's soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. But it doesn't taste that way, trust me. Um, here's the flavor flavor profile. Like a peanut butter brownie one has 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, only three grams of sugar, three grams of net carbs. Um, the mint brownie one is 15 grams of protein, only 110 calories, four grams of sugars, five grams of net carbs. So, folks, do this: go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, all one word, and you'll get ten dollars off your first order. Promo code locked on. For $10 off at BuiltBar.com.
0: Paul Pertichese, our guest today from the Saturday to Sunday football podcast. We are talking first-year impact rookies. And now this wide receiver class, which came in as build is one of the best we've seen in a while. Maybe since the 2014 class, there's some uh, some really good players at the top. And there is some depth to this class. We're not going to be able to touch on everybody because there's just too many guys but we've got to start at the top how excited are you about the landing spots for some of those first round picks particularly that that cluster of the top three that everybody thought was the the top three in some order in this draft class in Henry Ruggs to the Raiders Jerry Judy to the Broncos and CeeDee Lamb to the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, I mean, all of them have me excited, but all of them also leave me with some questions that I think, you know, need to be answered. You know, I'll start with C.D. Lamb, who was the last of that big three to fall to Dallas. I mean, if you look at how many opportunities Randall Cobb got last year in Dallas and how much, you know, Jason Whitten, if C.D. Lamb takes over most of those targets, I think he could have a really impactful rookie year that people are looking at the depth chart and people always look at the depth chart and, and sometimes get worried about that. People did it with Calvin Ridley when he went to Atlanta. Atlanta, and then we saw how productive he was in his rookie year. So I do think CD Lamb is going to be an impactful rookie and people have... Questions about the depth chart. I don't think. I think there's enough to go around there. And I also think, you know, Michael Gallup's numbers probably and targets come down a little bit. So I do think CD Lamb could have a pretty impactful year. He's not going to be that top alpha wide receiver. That's going to be a little bit down the line. But in terms of an impact in year one, I think inside in the slot, he's not going to get, you know, the number one or maybe even the number two DBs. So I think Lamb is going to be very impactful in Dallas. Henry Ruggs, we talked about it on the Saturday Sunday podcast with Matt Williamson as well. Like, We don't know how that fits with with Derek Carr and and Henry Ruggs' skill set of being that vertical receiver. I think John Gruden will find ways for him to be impactful in year one, a lot of short stuff, stuff after the catch, but is... Is Carr willing to push the ball vertically down the field? I think is very questionable. And I think I don't know if Carr's in there for the long haul. So I don't know if year one Henry Ruggs is going to have the impact that he might have in future years down the line when they have a quarterback that more, you know, meets Henry Ruggs' skill set. But I do think they'll find ways to utilize some stuff and he'll have some impact. I just don't know if it'll be consistent because I think it'll have to be a lot after the catch. And then Jerry Judy, he was my favorite wide receiver, best route runner, I thought, in this class. I think he'll provide a lot of value. For, for Denver and open things up for other people. I don't know if it'll, you know, if we tied the fantasy for a second, I don't know if it'll be consistent fantasy production, but I do think he'll make that offense as a whole a lot better in year one. But I think his statistical production will be very much tied to what type of step does Drew Locke make this year. And I do have some concerns about the offensive line, especially the offensive tackle position at Denver that could hold him back of being a really impactful year one rookie wide receiver. Uh, I actually think Lamb could outproduce him in year one even though he's a little further down the depth chart if you consider you know Cooper and Gallup locked in there in, in Dallas and Judy you know only have really Cortland Sutton ahead of him.
2: All right I, I need you guys and our listeners to do one little thing for me here and I'm going to talk for a minute or so just so you can think about your answer but if you had, if, if all the odds in Vegas were equal and you had a dollar to put down of what wide receiver would end this rookie year with the most receiving yards, who would you pick? Mine would be Rager, and I. A lot of it's because of what you said about those top three. I think Rugs will influence the game dramatically, but how many times will he actually touch the football? I love Lamb. I love Judy. I think those teams will be very happy with them, but they're not going to be alpha dogs. Not that Rager is. I just think his situation is really, really good. I'm a massive Wentz believer. I don't think Rager's ever going to leave the field. I think he'll still see some single coverage. Those tight ends will demand respect. I think he can attack at all levels. And there's a lot of guys to pick from, but Rager is going to be my choice. Maybe we should reconvene after the season. And whoever loses has to wear a little Bo Peep outfit or something.
0: <laughs> I like that a lot. Okay, I'm writing it down. Rager, I got Rager. I'm picking your outfit too, Matt. Okay, because you're wrong. Maybe
2: a, a, a bunny suit or something. <laughs> yeah, okay, I like
0: that. Okay, bunny suit. Uh, Paul, do you, do you have thoughts on that one, or I can go next if you're not ready.
1: No, I mean, I I like the Rager pick, but I do I do think that, you know, right now they still have a couple veterans there that, you know, could early in the season limit the amount of targets that Rager gets. I think he could be another guy that builds as the year goes on or the inevitable injuries to either Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey inevitably happen. So I like the pick and I do love the player a lot. I think I would go back to what I said in terms of C.D. Lamb. I think he's going to surprise people with how much usage he gets in year one. So Lamb would be my pick, but uh, Justin Jefferson would be my close second. But if I had to pick one, I would go with C.D. Lamb for year one.
0: Yeah, I was going to say just for path to play time, Justin Jefferson should be in the conversation. But for me, it's got to be Jerry Judy. If I'm putting money on it or if I'm putting a a bunny suit on it. Yeah, it's got to (laughs) be Jerry Judy because of his path to playing time. And I don't think in the end it's not it's not even going to be because even with C.D. Lamb, he's still going to play maybe a number two role for the foreseeable future with Amari Cooper. It's going to be tough to overtake those targets, even if he does and, and, Paul, I'm with you. I think he can absolutely overtake Michael Gallup very early in his career and maybe you know from day one, and then he can move inside the slot and they can target him however they like and get him some short targets and catch-and-run stuff. So he could be a high-volume guy earlier than people expect, so I like that. But Jerry Judy could be even the 1A with Cortland Sutton being 1B. That's how much I like Jerry Judy. And with his route-running ability, he's going to be ready to play early. So if I'm putting money on it... It's Jerry Judy, but there are some others that are down the list that are that are real dark horses like Denzel Mims just because of the Jets depth yep. chart and um, even Tyler Johnson out of the slot for Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I listen. There's always been this disconnect between Tyler Johnson in terms of draft and fantasy Twitter and what the NFL thought of him. And you know, a lot of people thought he could be a first or second round, you know, or worse, round three for quite some time. And anything you were hearing from people more in the know in terms of you know the the scouting community, whether it was Dame Brugler or Tony Pauline, they were saying from the get go that he, the NFL doesn't view him as a top 100 player. And then he didn't get an invite to the senior bowl. He got invited to the shrine bowl. And it sounded like again, from reports that he didn't want to play there because he thought he shouldn't have been there and he should have been at the senior bowl. Then he didn't run at the combine. So to me, like I think he's going to be a productive player, and I think he fits well with what they have there in Tampa Bay. I just don't know how much utilization he's going to get. I think they're going to have a, run a lot of two tight end sets in Tampa Bay. You know, with Gronk, with OJ Howard, you know, still Cameron Bright there as well. So I just don't know how much he's going to play. So I think he's more of a, a buy for the long term than immediate impact guy. I would say Michael Pittman is the, is a wild card that I would throw into the mix because I think Philip Rivers could really find him as very similar to like a Mike Williams clone in with the Chargers. And there's not a lot really preventing Michael Pittman from having a big role early on with the Colts this year. You know, it, it's CY Hilton. And then I think Pittman could be number two in the pecking order in terms of overall targets this year. So he would be my little bit under the radar guy. Uh, you know, if we're not talking about the the top, top guys, I mean, Pittman went off the board early round two, So it wasn't that far down the line, but he'd be a sleeper, guy that I'd put in consideration, played a lot in college, so very experienced uh, as well. Pittman was the guy I was
2: going to ask you about too, because I've been in five dynasty drafts and I've got him in four. I mean, like I am attacking him vigorously for the long term. I don't know that Hilton's here for the long term, but I think, you know, to your point too, I think he's going to be on the field every snap opposite Hilton as a rookie. And I don't know that Hilton's going to play 16 games.
1: Yeah, Hilton almost always is is injured, yeah. and you know he's getting up there in age. You know, it's, it's sneaky that he's like I think thirty one, pushing on thirty two. He doesn't come across as, as that you know late into his career already. You know, and Philip Rivers, his his ability to push the ball vertically down the field, I think has been you know he's lost a little bit of that as his as he's aged, and so I don't even know if his skill set right now matches up well with Philip Rivers. So that's another thing. You know, they might have to you know get a little creative in terms of getting Hilton the ball in different regards there you know he played with Jacoby Brissett last year another guy not really going to push the ball vertically down the field so I think Rivers is an upgrade on that but I'm just not sure that's a part of Rivers game anymore that is something that you know I think it's probably average at best and you know once upon a time it was it was way above average to good or very good
2: I don't love the jump from Liberty to the NFL with no rookie mini camps and who knows what in between but I think Andy Golden could at least have a role with Washington. Maybe it's just go deep. Maybe it's jump balls. Maybe it's red zone. But I think he will impact the game at some point as a rookie.
1: Yeah, he's another guy. that There seemed to be a little bit of a disconnect. You know, some in the draft and fantasy Twitter community really liked him. Thought he was going to be a top 100 pick. Uh, it sounds like the scouting community in the NFL were a little bit further down on him. But in terms of opportunity, I think you're right. I mean, they drafted one of my favorites last year late in Calvin Harmon. He did you know, show something a little bit last year. So it'll be interesting to kind of see Calvin Harmon, Antonio Gandy-Golden. Can any of them emerge to be a consistent weapon on the other side of Terry McLaurin? And a lot of it, I think, is going to be tied into what type of growth does Dwayne Haskins show this year? And then there's some people that really believe that Ron Rivera might start the season with Kyle Allen, who is familiar with his system and scheme. I mean, that would not bode well for, you know, Dwayne Haskins' long term career if Kyle Allen comes over, but they did trade for him. He's familiar with Ron Rivera's system. There, there's probably not going to be much of an offseason in terms of workouts. So that's something, you know, to keep it in the back of our minds as well. But Gandy Golden, if he can beat out Calvin Harmon, I think could have a little bit of a role year one as well.
2: Can't you guys just picture Ron Rivera at the podium going, Oh, we love Dwayne Haskins, but we just didn't have enough practices. He's still learning the system. Allen's gonna be the guy. But deep down they're saying we don't love Dwayne Haskins.
1: Yeah, I think I think that I think that, that is a perfect built-in excuse that they could utilize. And then who's who's to say that they might already be thinking long term that if they're not in love with him? I mean, is there a worse team on paper right now? They could very much be in the Trevor Lawrence-Justin Fields mix and picking in the top two, top three, top five again next year for sure.
0: I want to throw two more names out there, and I know we've already mentioned 20 wide receivers because of the type of class this is. It's going to be a much shorter conversation with tight ends, I think. But another first-rounder we haven't mentioned, Niners drafted Brandon Ayuk, I think, second half of the season. Good space player. Kyle Shanahan has the opportunity to get the ball into his hands, run after catch stuff, very similar to how he manufactured touches as a rookie for Debo Samuel. I don't know that he's going to lead this class in touches, but he's got an opportunity with Emmanuel Sanders gone to win that starting role with Debo at some point during his rookie year, even if it's not right out of the gate. And then Van Jefferson, like you mentioned with Pittman, Matt, he's an older prospect, Pittman 23, Van Jefferson's 24 four. has been running pro routes since he was a teenager and he's got an opportunity now to be the third wide receiver in L.A. And the Rams run a ton of three wide receiver sets. So don't sleep on Van Jefferson, who could definitely play early in his career. OK, let's move on to first year quarterbacks and tight ends next. Well, let's get into those quarterbacks then in this rookie class. Obviously, Joe Burrow, one dot one everybody's favorite, which was a surprise if you said that. At this time last year with the Tank for Tua train really starting to take off before the 2019 seasons. Do you have thoughts on these first round quarterbacks? Justin Herbert goes six out of Oregon to the Chargers. It would seem that he's got the roughest path to starting among those top three. And then, of course, Jordan Love. It would be a shocker if he's playing any time in the next year. And if Aaron Rodgers is around two or three years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking instant impact immediately, I think it's Joe Burrow. And I think the list might end there. I think Tua probably is gonna have to wait a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe we'll see if he's playing by the middle of the year or late in the year. The medicals could come into it. They might just want to be extra cautious, to be honest with you. So I think in terms of instant impact, I think it's Joe Burrow. And I think there could I think we could see a big jump up in the Bengals this year. If they won seven or eight games, I would not be that surprised. I think that that's the impact Burrow could have with the upgrades. They actually were a little aggressive in free agency, which is unusual for them. AJ Green sounds like he's going to be back in Cincinnati for at least one year on the franchise tag. They get Jonah Williams back, who was their first round pick last year, so that could be a big upgrade to the offensive line. So I think Barrow is going to have a big impact in year one. Like I, I do believe that he, we could see them, like I said, win seven or eight games. So I think the impact will be high there, even if Tua does play. I think it might be a little bit less of an impact in year one because I still think the Dolphins got a ways to go to build up around him. So he would make an impact for sure. But I don't know if the impact would be felt in terms of wins and losses significantly different than if Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think the Dolphins are a four to six win team probably regardless this year of who starts a quarterback. So I think Burrow's the guy. I think it's going to be a while before we see Justin Herbert. I would expect Tyrod Taylor to probably get the first half of the year uh, there. And like you said, Jordan, love i don't think we're going to see any impact from him in year one probably a couple years down the line
2: i agree that the bengals should be improved i'm actually cautiously optimistic about them and we had a locked on bengals host on last week and we had a lot of good things to say about them but i still think it's pretty clear that the chargers are the best of those three teams and i could absolutely and you kind of mentioned this i mean i i've said this 8 million times on the podcast if i was the gm of the chargers I would have signed Newton or Winston way back when and drafted Mekhi Becton or something along those lines, but they didn't. And I think this Tyrod Taylor's ability to protect the football might keep them competitive enough all year that maybe we don't even see Herbert in 2020.
1: Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I mean, if we want to believe Anthony Lynn at his word, he has been very, you know, outspoken about how much he likes Tyrod Taylor. Now, whether that was just a smokescreen before the draft to try to, you know, make it it didn't really work. I think most people thought the Chargers were still pegged in. But by not going out and getting a Cam Newton or somebody like that or Jameis Winston, I do think it says that he thinks with their defense, which I think is is very good, mm-hmm. their skill players, the upgrades they've made on the offensive line. They could have done more, like you said, and I think that might have been the prudent move. I do think Tyrod Taylor is going to hold that job. I mean, unless they get off to a, a poor start and they're like two and four, or two and five, then I could say, okay, they're going to pull the plug in the middle of the year. But if they're 500, above 500, I don't know if they're going to be so quick to pull the trigger, you know, and take Tyrod Taylor out, like you said. And it's not like Justin Herbert is slam dunk, you know, get ready to put on, you know, even though he's played a lot in college. There's still some development that he's got to go through, uh, you know, to jump into the NFL. So I think you're right. I, I don't think we're going to see Justin Herbert as early as we usually see, you know, top 10 rookie quarterbacks get on the football field.
0: Even though the production won't be there, there's a good chance that Jalen Hurts has an opportunity to at least get on the field and see the field in front of, you know, before two or three, the the quarterbacks that were drafted in front of him and and definitely in front of all the day three quarterbacks in this class. I've, I've heard a theory about the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts that they think he's going to be really good and they'll develop him as a backup and that they're a quarterback factory and then they'll flip him and trade him to another team. And I look at that and I think, you expect to get more than a second round pick, though, for that? Because that doesn't make any right. sense to spend you a second round pick, pick. on. A, pick yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, I don't know about that. So they better believe that he's either the heir apparent to Carson Wentz and they're really worried about Wentz's injury history and they need two quarterbacks there or they have some plans to get him on the field year one.
1: Yeah, I think it was a very head-scratching pick. I liked the player a lot. I was hoping the team in round two took him, and it was clear that they were going to develop an offense for him to see if this development could continue at the NFL level. But, you know, like you just said, like, is he really going to get the, an opportunity to throw the football enough – that a team would be willing to trade a first round pick for him. That's a, that's a steep price. I mean, look at the, look at the prices of, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was traded for an early second round pick and he played a decent, you know, he at least played a little bit at times in new England. And the best that they could got was a second round Now maybe they could have got more and they, they accepted the offer. So I can't envision a scenario where they, upgrade significantly from what they paid for him. And then you're talking potentially two, three years down the line. So is it really worth it if you slightly upgrade, you know, the pick that you used on him to get? and you wasted 3 years when you could have had another impactful player. So it's going to be very interesting to see if Carson Wentz stays healthy. I don't know how much of an impact. I think it'll be there'll be some plays here at Air and you know we've seen the, the Taysom Hill impact and Jalen Hurts is I think a better proer in terms of quarterback skills and you can maybe do a little bit more with him. But I, I don't know. I, I struggle to see how that pick makes them significantly better to try to go win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years when they could have used it at a different position. And you know, Eagles fans don't want Carson Wentz to get hurt. So I mean, like, so you're, you're, you're hoping that that pick only really has probably a lot of value if your franchise quarterback gets injured again. So I that left me scratching my head for sure. As much as I am intrigued by Jalen Hurts, the, the prospect.
2: All right, you two, think about your most productive tight end in this awesome class of tight ends. I mean, Troutman was my favorite coming in, and that's who I would want long-term. I want Cook to get out of the way. I don't think he's going to do a lot as a rookie. Uh, Cole Komet was the first one drafted, and I do think with 800 tight ends on the roster, it's pretty clear the Bears are going to try to attack the middle of the field easier throws for Trubisky. But I think Devin Asiasi is... Clearly in the best situation to produce this year, and it might only be 400 yards. I mean, we know rookie tight ends don't produce, but they were the the Bears and the, the Steelers and the Patriots had the worst production from the tight end position last year. And we at least know that this playbook, this coaching staff knows how to use the guys. He's only a one year producer at college, but I was really high on Aussie Aussie's all around game.
1: Yeah. I mean, Asi Asi was one of my favorite tight ends in this class. I agree with you. Adam Trapman was my number one, but I think that's more of a down the line, you know, coming mm-hmm. from small school like that, you know, no off season workouts. So he, to me, I don't even know how much we're going to see Trapman, to be honest with you this year. Asi Asi would also be my pick in terms of the biggest impact in year one or the most total yards. They don't have much on the depth chart that's gonna prevent him from immediately be starting day one. I think he's got the opportunity to develop into the best all-around tight end. He's hmm. very athletic. He could attack the seam, he could do stuff after the catch, but he's also got the body type in the frame that he could also develop into a guy who can play, you know, in line and be a serviceable blocker, even though I don't think that's his forte right now. I think he's going to earn the starting job sooner rather than later. While you mentioned it, Chicago has a lot of tight ends on their roster and they might do a lot of two tight end sets. And that's something that Nick Foles is familiar with and all that stuff. And, I still think they're going to force feed a little bit early on Jimmy Graham to kind of justify the contract they gave him. I don't think Cole Komets is going to push Jimmy Graham to the, the bench and he's not going to be on the field. When it's pass-catching situations, I think Jimmy Graham is still early in the year at least going to be the tight end that they look to for the, the pass-catching role. Whether you know, I, I don't think he's got much left, Jimmy Graham, but I think he's going to get an opportunity to be the guy early in the year. So I don't even know. I think it's going to take time before Komet even really gets an opportunity opportunity to be a more consistent player in that offense in terms of pass catching role he might be on the field a lot in two tight end sets but maybe asked to block more in those two tight end sets I think Asiasi is the guy who's going to play the most mm-hmm. and has the most upside to you know actually be a bigger part of the offense just with the lack of weapons they have there and the lack of the depth chart in New England
0: yeah looking at these tight end depth charts and how underwhelming this tight end class is. I think you guys are on the right track picking the the Patriots tight end, but I'm going to say that you picked the wrong one. I'm going to go with the guy who oh, was wow. taking 10 picks after Asiasi, Dalton Keene. Don't sleep on Dalton Keene. Go back and look at his workout numbers. They're not quite... George Kittle level, but he reminded me of a poor man's George Kittle. I thought he was somebody that Kyle Shanahan was going to target. If he fell to day three in the draft, the Niners didn't have any third round picks. And I was a little surprised to see how high Keen went, but fits that profile of a guy who can catch and run. He can make some plays after the catch. He's a ball of energy on the field, worked out really well compared to all the tight ends in this class. And I don't think it's smart to bet that Keen outproduces Asi Asi necessarily. But if you're in a dynasty league and you're drafting Devin Asiasi, you should follow that up with picking up Keene at the end of the draft or as an undrafted free agent, because it doesn't seem like he's going very high in these drafts because he was the second tight end drafted by the Patriots. Don't sleep on Dalton Keene. I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you bring up a really good point. There seems to be this really large disconnect. I just finished a rookie draft recently that was tight end premium and and Devin Asiasi, you know, went like late second, early third round and Dalton Keene went in the sixth round. And this was a 16, you know, team, you know, rookie draft with IDP and everything, but just to show the disparity that people have between them. He is an intriguing wild card because it's clear Virginia Tech did not maximize his skill set and utilize it. You know, a guy that fast could have been a focal point of that offense from the tight end position for Virginia Tech. And now he lands with a team that Beyond any team almost knows how to maximize the skill set of their their roster. So it could be a guy that, yeah, I'm higher on Asiasi. I liked him more pre-draft, but it could end up being in terms of what New England asks of them. I wouldn't be stunned to see Dalton Keene have a big role early on. Is it bigger than Asiasi? I think that's up for debate, but I do think it it's maybe 60-40. I would lean Asiasi, but you know, I wouldn't be stunned if it goes the other way because they did invest decent draft capital in both of them. They must envision a scenario and a role for both of them in two tight end sets. So I think it's an interesting wild card in a class that, like we said, there's not much else to talk about in terms of guys that I think could have much of a year one impact besides the guys in New England and Cole Komet. That is Paul Perticese. You can find him on Twitter at
0: Paulie23ny. And you got to check out the Saturday to Sunday football podcast, which in the most recent episode features our own. Matt Williamson. Paul, really appreciate
1: the time, man. It's a good chat about these rookie skill guys. Absolutely, guys. Big fan of the show. It was a pleasure to be on talking to both you and Matt. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Thank you, guys.